Hey folks, welcome to Off The Record, the podcast which delves deeper into the mysteries and wonders of society life here at the University of Sheffield. With over 150 clubs to choose from, the world's your oyster and the possibilities endless. Today on the show we have a special episode from the cast of the production of Arthur Conan Doyle's The Hound of Baskerville's run by Sutko. In the studio today we have Helena, Helena Langfield, Jack Cadman and Jake Bastable. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's the first time you've done radio then? Uh, yeah, def- definitely for me. First time for me? Yeah, same here. Very much looking forward to it. So you're all part of the cast of The Hound of Baskervilles then. I guess when you sign up for these things, there's always trepidation when you go to the audition, uh, you do the audition itself. What's the feeling coming out of that? And do you have any idea that you've got the part? Uh, well, honestly, coming out of my audition for, for the part of Holmes, I didn't feel too confident about it. Um, uh, and then even when I, when I got the call to say that I'd got the part, I, had, I, I didn't kind of compute uh, uh, the part I'd been given was, uh, was, was Sherlock Holmes. I, I sort of put the phone down, accepted the part, and then uh, <laughs> I had to text Jack uh, saying, actually, what... What did happen? Just that did I? What part did I get? I didn't. I didn't quite understand. And uh, and he just sort of bluntly messaged back like, "Mate, you, you're Holmes. You know, just that's that's how it is." So uh, I think coming out of the auditions, you, you never know. You never know uh, how well or how badly you've done. Because it is quite a, a bit. What well, I mean, it is the biggest part in in the sense of of, of sort of the characterization of the the play itself. So. What was your feeling sort of actually going into the audition itself? Why did you want to become Sherlock Holmes in, in this sense? And you mentioned earlier on while we were off air about how you wanted to make it your own, essentially, and how you sort of wanted to veer away from what Benedict Cumberbatch did uh, as well in, in, in the TV production. So what's your reaction to that then? Well, I feel like, like I said, it was, it's a well-known character. It needs to be played well and having been played so well by the likes of Benedict Cumberbatch and Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's yeah. really hard to, uh, to to bring your own unique spin to it and uh, your own bit of edge. But I, I I personally feel, and I've been told that I've, ma- I've been managing to do that. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's... It's just about it's just about being confident in your way of characterising the character, I think. In, in being confident in your acting being good enough and, and the ideas that you want to put, put across are being put across, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, particularly with uh, Basti, he's been... Sorry, Jake. He's been very um, sort of independent in his own... Um, uh, his own idea of what the character should be. Yeah. I, I've really liked that uh, as the director and it's um, been really nice to see someone sort of come up, come with their own ideas to rehearsals. So what's the so what's the sort of the difference then between the directing part and the acting part? I guess for a lot of people it, it's clear cut, but is there any sense of uh, not, not not logistics, but sort of when when you go into a play like this and you look around and you think, would you rather be backstage or on stage? I think it really just comes down to the type of person you are. Um, you know, uh, Sutko works on a basis of. You're, you're, there is no hierarchy. If you're the director, if you're an actor, if you're a prod, pro, producer or part of the prod team, generally speaking, everyone's working together. So 
I feel perfectly comfortable coming to rehearsal and saying to Jack, uh, can I play the part in this way or can I do this line in this way? And he'll either go, yeah, yeah, give it a try and we'll see what happens or mm, perhaps not, you know. And uh, Yeah, well, it's, it's been my first time directing this this play. Um, I'm no, I've normally acted in plays. And um, it's been slightly weird, but as, as Jake said, it's not, there isn't a hierarchy in that sense. It's not like a weird power relationship. It's actually much more collaborative. And is this the essence of Sukkot then, Helena? Is it, is it the fact that everyone can sort of get into one aspect and whether you're a director, an actor, an actress, a production assistant, a cameraman, that you're working together on one piece and it's, it's a whole team effort, essentially? Oh, 100%. Um, I've done stage management for different plays before, but I say in this play, really, everyone seems to be working together from the outset a lot more closely like I've only been to a couple of rehearsals but what I can see there's such a great relationship between cast and crew already and I feel like that does um that will show up I think in this production and um from what I've seen that like both of you two work very well together and I think it does show because you're a very good director Jack thank you and you're a very good actor Jake so I think it's it a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of modesty in this uh studio today <laughs> I think it does show, and I think obviously the excellent production manager Kane as well does such a good job linking the um, production team, which I'm on, to the um, rest of the crew and the cast as well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely couldn't do it without Kane. He's because um, he's the production manager, so he manages right. the tech team for the the play and yeah. the, all the tech behind that. So we'll organise designers and that sort of thing, and he. Um, he does. See, he sort of selects the tech team for the show as well. So okay. he selected yeah. you as yeah, stage yeah. manager, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Which has been, and I, I couldn't have, I couldn't do it without him organising the logistics of that. So, what's the role of stage manager like then, and how does that differ from being a, a director and an actor or actress? Um, as a stage manager, I say your primary thing is to find all the props for the play. So very early on in the. Um, development stage of this play you sent me well I was given the script so I go through it and find everything that you might need um there's been some very interesting challenges for this one um some of them being some like simple stuff like traveling cl- ca- ugh, traveling cases and obviously as it's set in 1890 you've got to try and correctly date everything but I think the um the most interesting thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to uh make the hound for the hound of the Baskervilles which you're trying to make the hound. Yes, we are. The dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I know. In the Benedict Cumberbatch, the, the TV version, it was an animation. The cinegra- the cinematographics which went into that were clear to see, but it it was still effective in the portraying the sort of the emotion, and and the, the, the way the hound sort of influenced uh, sort of the, the gas in in the woods at that time and sort of the effects that it had on the mindset. So mm. how 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 did you try and create that scene through the props then? Um. Well, at the minute, we have... I mean, my original idea was going to be quite a large um, metal-structured dog. Much like, much like modern art, if you will, like very bare bones of it. But obviously, as you make stuff, you've come across challenges. So it's going to be a bit of... Um, I'm hoping, because we've got a very good uh, lighting team as well here, I'm hoping they can work together along with the sound guys and this uh, metal dog. That hopefully it'll be quite um, believable, hopefully. Obviously, it's 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 going to be a lot different to the Benedict Cumberbatch rendition of Sherlock yeah, on the BBC because, yeah. uh, you know, being being a stage play, there are a lot of different obstacles that mm. you come across, which you know can't be fixed with the likes of say cinematography and kind of things like that. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, um, the, the adaptation that we've chosen uh, by uh, Wright and Pishet, who are from um, Seattle in America, okay. their uh, stage directions are very... <laughs> very weird, aren't they're, they? They're very odd. Like, Qu- they quite do, niche. They sort of... <laughs> and they, unique. They use words like, uh, like, the scene miraculously changes into this, like, not necessarily explaining... How? how to yeah, do I think Ameri- <laughs> Americans are like that. They sort of, sort of like to sort of exaggerate everything without actually sort of giving any substance to it a lot of the time. But well, exactly. I mean, uh, not not to not to have any spoilers, but I sort of have to put on disguise at one point, and the stage direction is uh, uh, he uses a napkin and a piece of bacon to miraculously change into his other character. And you just think, how, how in any world am I going to use a napkin and a piece of bacon to... But I guess the, I guess with a film like this, it comes down to the imagination of the audience and portraying that is, is so crucial. And I guess directing that, uh, Jack, how, how have you found that? Um, you definitely have to sort of... There are a few points where, like, uh, I've wanted to try and do something and I've, had to, I've gone to Kane and Aaron and they've said no, we don't have the money for that, or we can't do that, it's just impossible. Um, so there's a few times where I have to sort of think, how can I do this in a subtle way that would sort of prompt the audience to think themselves and make their own uh, sort of conclusions as opposed to us uh, showing them exactly everything. And I think we've done that uh, quite well in a few places. Hmm. I think it still needs a lot of work, and uh, obviously... We have, we haven't even run the whole thing through as a, as a in its entirety yet, and I think once we start doing that, it will start kind of coming together and making a lot more sense as to the kind of slight intricacies that need working on and things that perhaps are better than than, than others and things like that. I don't know. Because I guess when you've got I, I don't know what kind of stage space you've got, but uh, does, does it vary in, in the place that you've done for Sitco? Does it? So, for example, for this, for, for the wood scene, how, how would you create something like that in, in theatre? Well, with, um, with, the, with the space that you've got? Yeah, well, we're in the drama studio where, where it'll be played. Um, we're doing it quite... Because it's on the moors quite a lot in this play and we can't... Obviously, can't have yeah. hills on stage because that's mm. uh, not impossible. Well, but, would be an interesting sort yeah. of risk, risk assessment form <laughs> yeah, to try exactly. and get that through, yeah. Um, but what, what we're trying to do with that is almost strip it back almost completely to just almost nothing for the exterior part of the play. And I've uh, had a chat with Kane and, uh, and Jack Hewitt, our um, set designer, and we had quite a few discussions about how we can do it because um, there are a lot of obstacles to overcome with with because it changes from inside to outside quite a lot in the play. Mm. And um, you can't do that sort of smoothly in a transition so what you've got yeah. to do is just make it um about to strip it back quite a lot regarding the moorland particularly but mm. interior sets supposed to, we're trying to make the contrast there so making the interior set really lavish and everything as opposed to the desolation so in terms of sort of the cast and how important are not just the main characters but the characters who the the effect that they have in terms of the narrative is is, is significant but a lot of the time the audience don't tend to notice that and potentially in the, in the second half forget that, but they remember the, the storyline, but the impact of that storyline is from, from that character. Mm. So how, 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 how would you find that? Because I guess with Sherlock Holmes is that this is the big character of the play, but there are so many other people involved. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, when you... When you I don't think people necessarily always want the biggest role in the play. 
as as an actor. But I think when you when you play small roles, it's it's really really important to to kind of understand understand what your character is doing for the for the plot of the play and yourself. And even if the audience don't see that your character is kind of integral to everything that's happening, it it, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, you should you know if 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 you're acting it well. I don't. I don't see why that would be uh, at all problematic. To be honest, um, I just think. I think uh, you, if you if you're going for a role in Sutko, you should be uh, you should be pretty kind of pleased with getting one because it's it's, uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough time. And how is it trying to link those characters with every one of the props and every one of the costumes and tr- trying to actually make sure that it's the <coughs> right fit, trying to make sure that this prop works, that it won't break before uh, first night? Um, I mean, I've been trying to bring a couple of props to um, rehearsal. I've found a, um, a replica for a service revolver, which I think went down an absolute treat. They, they loved it. <laughs> they all loved I it. I can imagine but, um, that, yeah. I feel like you just got to... If you find the right prop, I feel like it's up to the actor, really, because, I mean, what is a prop, a piece of furniture or something like that? It's yeah. the actor that really brings it to life. But talking about some of the things have broken, like some of the locks of his travelling cases don't lock, so that's good fun. Mm-hmm. You say that it's up to the actor, though, but it's it's hard, like, as an actor to, um, like, use a prop. Like, in rehearsals, it's hard when yeah. you don't have the prop to so you're always imagining yeah trying to think of sort of how would this work sort of where would I be in the stage and how would I use that in this certain scenario and I guess that that can be quite frustrating well yeah there are there are sort of practical intricacies that come with using props that you never kind of foresee before actually using the actual the actual thing and and I suppose the slight problem with rehearsing without props is that essentially the first time I'll use the props will be uh Sort of what one run through before we actually put it on stage, essentially. One run through. Well, yeah, probably, probably, uh, maybe two, but uh, you know that comes with its own problems. I'll be, I'll be really worried about breaking anything. Um, I have a tendency of clumsiness, uh, but uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be okay. But like I said, it's it's quite hard to kind of uh, to know. You know, because you know, what if the gun might be a bit dodgy in some place, and you need to kind of understand how to fix that and things like that. So, so how important, I guess, is a plan B when you come to the production then, and, and thinking about if something goes wrong, how do, how do you adapt to these changing circumstances? Because, I mean, the quote is always the show must go on. Yeah. And whatever happens, whether it's somebody forgets their lines, a prop breaks, there was an accident on on stage. How, how how do you adapt and react to that then? Um, well, <coughs> because sort of by show week, the director sort of lets go of control. So it's quite... Because I'll be sat in the audience for each of the shows, so it's very much up to the actors and the uh, ASMs, the state assistant stage managers, and Helena uh, and all the tech team to try and figure that out. So like And like if someone forgets their lines, then more often than not, another actor will help them. It's much more of a sort yeah. of supportive thing. You've really got to, you've really, essentially, you've just got to hope that nothing does happen <laughs> that's bad. It, it, it's, it's not like, you know, with film where you can cut it and then re, re, re-record it. it when, when you're on stage, people are there and, and things, it's just a part of theatre. It's a part of what, what theatre has, uh, the uniqueness of theatre as, as opposed to film. But 
you've got to hope that things won't go wrong. And if they do, you've you've literally just got to adapt at the very time, survival of the fittest sort of thing, you know. So I just want to bring it back to when you all first uh, sort of applied to actually sort of take up these roles. Uh, for each of you, Helena, starting with you, how, how was that at the time? Oh, um, I didn't really do a lot of auditioning. I kind of registered my interest as a stage manager because I've done a couple before and I knew this is going to be a very good play. And then I just got an email saying, would you like to be stage manager? And I went, go on then. That sounds delightful. Mm. So, I mean, I think for the tech team, it's very, um, it's not so difficult compared to trying to like promote a play or put one forward or actually auditioning for the actual roles themselves. I know sometimes there's quite a lot of um, competition because um, you can only do, I believe, two plays a semester for... Yes, like, so... Um, is it four plays a semester that comes out of Sutco then and then you've got the choice between... Yeah, so they normally do... So this uh, this semester, there's one next week, so week three. Uh, our one's in week five. Then there's Memories of a Clockmaker, which is in... Uh, eight, week eight. Week eight. Yeah. And then Spring Awakening, which is a musical that's in week 11. So Sutco. It's quite a variation, I guess, between, yeah. the, between the two. So, is that is that forced that there has to be a variation? Um, no, no, it's a proposals process. So what you do? Um, so three people get together. Um, I got um, I messaged Kane and Aaron saying, "Would you be interested in uh, proposing this play to do?" Um, and then you go in front of the society at a proposals event, and then you pitch this play. So sure, um, Aaron, our producer, pitched his. Um, what he would, how he'd get the budget, what he was planning to do publicity-wise, uh, like like this radio was one of the things he yeah. talked about. Yeah, uh, you'd, you'd hope so. Yeah, <laughs> do, 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 doing a good enough job here at the minute. So, um, and um, then I talk about sort of artistic intention, and then people ultimately vote for the place that they want. So there's quite there were quite a few choices, mm. uh, and then people vote for the play that they want to see. Mm. Sure. So what's the process like in actually choosing the place? Because I guess. That can be because I mean my mum sort of said earlier sort of works in amateur dramatics mm. and uh, for for the organisation that she's involved in they they're sort of given a list and they sort of have to choose the plays from from that list and then pitch them towards. Well, there's there's a lot of freedom when you're proposing. So me and Kane um, we went through quite a few different ones looking at which which, which play we'd like to do and um, some of it comes down to availability of rights from the um, companies. Um, and luckily we found this very entertaining adaptation of Hand of the Baskervilles. Um, and then we messaged Aaron, would you be interested in producing? And it it's much, like there's a lot of creativity and a lot of freedom with regards to choosing what you want. Like there's some, and people write their own plays like Memories of a Clockmaker and Week 8 mm. is, a, is written by the director of that play. Oh wow! Yeah, um, last semester there was my mate Dave died. That was written by uh, Mike Alexander. It, they're all like so. There's a lot of different variety, which I I really like in the society. Mm. So, I mean, how long would it take to write a, a, a play like that? Then, honestly, it. Uh... I mean, surely. I mean, I mean, I mean, how long is the Hound of Baskervilles scheduled for? Well. Uh... I reckon it will it would run about two hours probably. Is that that'll be the runtime for it? And to if you're actually writing a play yourself, to write a two hour long play, uh, that obviously has to be what well, you want it to be good yeah. and interesting and whatever. I think that that takes a lot more time than than anyone would think. You know, uh, 
art, art is never finished, only abandoned, as they say. So, That's a great quote, yeah. Uh, you know, you could take anywhere from maybe kind of a week to write your first draft. I know Rocky was written in like three days, but... <laughs> Uh, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah that's not that But uh, uh, once you once you've written your first draft, you, you can you can keep carry on fixing it, fixing it, fixing it, even throughout throughout the kind of process of if you if you do end up directing it. I reckon if I'd written a play and wanted to direct it, I would still be kind of changing lines midway through direction, which I'm sure would would irritate a lot of actors. But <laughs> you know, yeah. It would be your it would be your kind of baby, I would say. If, Do you uh, get that personal personal yeah personalization a lot? So you get given a script and then you think, well, I could word it differently and better. And is, do, that, do those conversations go on a lot of the time? As an as an actor, I personally don't like changing uh, sort of lines that are in the original script. But I know that a lot of uh, I'll say colleagues, I guess. Um, uh, Anonymous the, colleagues. Anonymous yeah. colleagues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they'll they'll often say, "I don't, I don't think this line quite works this way. Can I change it, or can I say it? Can I say this instead?" Uh, to which Jack usually says no, uh, which I kind of agree with. I, I sometimes like, I try and promote a discourse about it, but a lot of the time I find like there's not much point changing it because it's been written and it's been successful. So, mm. Mm. but as an actor, it, it's kind of. You, you don't realise how, how how a line will come across until you've actually spoken it, right? Yeah. And I think as a, as, a, as a writer, if you're a writer and not an actor, it's quite hard to find the medium between what's comfortable for an actor to say and kind of the point that you want to get across in the, in the script, you know? Um, but Sutko has the advantage of all the, all the original plays that are written that tend to be written by people who also have done acting, so kind of bypass that. That, yeah, uh, obstacle as it were. So, how many members are there of Circo, and how how long's the organisation? Oh, yeah, sort of the committee been going for then? It's, it's a difficult question because people. It's 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 a society where people can sort of drift in and out quite easily, as it were. You know, um, yeah. be involved in one play and then not, not be involved anymore. in one for the rest of the year if you don't. Me and you it. joined with Mary Stewart, didn't we, last yeah. year? Yeah, so that's I met Jack and Mary Stewart last year. We were both actors, and then this year he came and proposed to be a director, and now he's you know a director, and we have a different sort of slightly different relationship. Um, but this is the first thing I've been involved in this year. Um, Jack's been involved in more, I believe. I was in Journey's End, yeah, but um, it I, I'm not entirely sure on the numbers of the society, but it's it's very vast it's and broad. Yeah, the committee is quite comprehensive there's a senior and a um wider committee as well that that yeah. so they'll they'll run they'll run the publicity the organization the logistics of the whole yeah. society yeah and try and make it as inclusive as possible which it is mm. Mm. so what's the history of, of, of recent plays been like that you've been involved in and, and how have how have you found that then uh, honestly for me i i, I just w w i love Acting, I love being on stage, and and Sitco uh, is giving me a platform to do that, and I can only I can only appreciate I can only appreciate that and, and be thankful for that. To be honest, um, uh, but it also gives a platform for for loads of other people to do different things aside from acting. You've got your directors, but you also have, like we've said earlier, you know the people who are into production and and kind of sorting things out backstage and whatnot. 
So what, what's it like backstage then? Um, ideally, if everything goes well, <laughs> it's wonderful. You get a great view of the play, which is always nice. But sometimes it can be a bit chaotic. And going back to your earlier point, even though ideally nothing would go wrong, as a, as a tech team, you have to prepare for the worst, I feel. So obviously we run um, fight calls and risk assessments just yeah. to make sure no one gets hurt or anything like that. Mm. But um, all in all, it's all fine. Sometimes there are a few hectic scene changes. I mean, I feel like in this play we'll have a couple of them. There's, there's one in particular. I won't spoil it, but it's interesting, to say mm. the least, to try and get on got, stage. Got a time scale on that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we blocked it on Monday that rehearsal, but it's um, it's hard to hard to visualize in rehearsals sometimes how it's yeah. going to look because there's uh, ASMs on there moving things as but that we don't have in rehearsal because it's not built yet. Pretty much, there's a lot of the time I guess in, in plays such as these and in a lot of plays where it is so fast moving the narrative people do tend to think that backstage is literally people rushing about, mm. getting costumes, chucking costumes in people's heads, <laughs> making sure that they've got the right props, making sure that the props don't drop on the ground just before they're about to go to live and stage. It, it, I guess it's not specifically like that, but is there a sense of urgency at times? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course sure. there's a sense of urgency. It's, it's you've, definitely you've stressful. Few, mm. You've got a few quick costume changes, don't you? Oh, I do indeed. I'm <laughs> looking forward to that. But... Uh, so what are the, what, what the costumes like to be in? I've only, I've only worn one of them, and uh, I, I feel pretty dapper in it, personally. It's a tweed, <laughs> tweed suit, can't complain, can you? A bit of a deerstalker hat, all of, that, all, all of, the, all of the classic uh, kind of uh, stereotypical Sherlock Holmes look, you know? Well, I guess in 1890, you, you're going to ex- expect that to an ex- to a sense. And I guess the reason why you got into these these plays in the first place is because, you, as you mentioned, uh, Jake, it's because you want to have a platform to sort of further your career. But for all of you, where did it start? I mean, I, one thing I've always asked of these sort of radio shows is that sort of uh, from a young age, where was the the idea of getting involved in this type of type of stuff? Um, at primary school, I was involved in plays with the school. Um, I think my first one was Bugsy Malone, where I played Babyface. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then sort of from then on, I've always really liked films, and um, I've um, I've starred in like a few short films with some of my mates from from home. But most like I really like I've always liked being in plays and musicals and shows generally, mm-hmm. um, because of I just have a. I really like to play someone else, quite like a different person. Yeah, and to, um, so almost try to understand them, like what they're what they would think in this scenario. Explore or, what they think, sort of how and why, absolutely, and, and yeah. what and where. Oh, with me, honestly, uh, as a as a child, my mum just always wanted me out of the house, so she tried getting me. She got she tried getting me into karate, never never quite did so well at that, and then she. Tried other sports, was never really much of a sportsman. Then she just decided to dump me into a, a drama school where I found I kind of really enjoyed myself and uh, was doing doing quite well. And then from there, I decided that I'd kind of audition for, for anything that I got the opportunity to and did so throughout school. And, uh, and now here I am, really. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's just something that I got thrown into and ended up finding out that I was quite sort of decent at and enjoyed doing. And yeah, there we go. 
Um, I used to act from quite a young age. I would do um, dance, come, acting, stage shows with this um, school I was with. <coughs> but then in year 13, I was given an opportunity to stage manage our year 13 play. And that was hectic, I'll say that. <laughs> Especially imagine trying to get like three trestle tables into like a space that's like that big. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But um, that's kind of started like my really, my passion, if you will, for Sarko. But um, I didn't actually join it until this year. I didn't do anything last year. But I saw, actually, interestingly enough, the first play that I saw was Mary Stewart. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, that's good. So about full circle, eh? <laughs> I still kind of started this year, but I'm really actually glad now because I was a bit nervous last year, I think. But um, I'm glad I signed up for it now. I guess when you mentioned the sort of the space that big, to give you an insight into sort of how small that space is in here, this studio is, it's it's pretty cramped. We've got four of us in here. Uh, today. Nice view outside, I'll, I'll admit that. It's, it's a nice view, <laughs> but in terms, of, in terms of sort of the space. So, I mean, all of you sort of been involved in some form of acting from such a young age mm. what do you think firstly of sort of your own personal experiences of how you felt about doing that uh for the first time and secondly what do you think of young actors themselves uh in, involved in uh plays i think it's uh if it's if anything it's confidence boosting uh definitely i think uh it has the the, the there's a possibility there for it to be kind of destructive to your confidence if you kind of screw something up at a very young age you know forget your lines or whatever it can be uh could be sort of heartbreaking be heartbreaking now uh you know now the age of 20 but uh if if i think it's just about kind of carrying on and keep you know if you if you enjoy it keep trying keep doing it take every opportunity that you get given and uh if you do that, you, you're kind of you're doing everything right. I'd say, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just um, uh, I've there's a few times where I, I've you, you go to an audition and you don't get the part you don't get the part you wanted, mm. or you don't get a part at yeah. all. And there is that that moment of sort of a sense of soul soul destroying to an extent. Yeah, yeah. you just yeah. well because you, you're doubting yourself. You think I'm not I'm not good enough to yeah. do this. But um, it's a brutal industry at times. You know, even even within a kind of university society, you know, you you, you don't go for the part, you get called back, and then you don't do it, and you feel like you've wasted. Well, the, the thing? Past I'm two thinking days. how how reflective is sort of the experience with Sutko like to drama skills out there right now for people our age for people in the in the media industry and the film industry as a whole i'd honestly say it's just a, it's a part of the trade and and you've got to get used to got to get used to the possibility of rejection definitely 100% it's <laughs> it's just uh, it's it's the way it is you know there's only one person that can play any particular role yeah. and you'll have sort of 10 people going for it it's uh, the way it happens but like from my experience of running the auditions this for this play it's not that like the quality was so great it's really difficult to choose between yeah. all these different people like the there's almost there's very long conversations between me kane and aaron about who do we want for that role do we want do we want jake or whatever but it's um ultimately you feel so good when you settle on the right cast and every now and then there's compromises you have to 
um, because I was thinking, are, are there many regrets uh, about the de- decisions you make? And if they are, do you just have to look? We've made the decisions we have. Let's just move on. I haven't I had. A, I haven't had any this this for this play at all. It's been the, the cast has been a joy to work with all, all the way through, and the crew as well. Um, but there are the odd thing, and like maybe someone will say, "Oh, I wish we'd done it this way." But then you, you, you you're too far gone now, so you have to say, "Yeah." Doesn't matter. Just go. I was thinking it, it was a relief that you weren't going to mention sort of any regrets about sort of the sort of Sherlock Holmes oh, character. Yeah, a... This could have got a bit frosty. It's got quite a narrow studio in here, so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got boxing varsity coming up. So it's always a nightmare to work. So, with. So, 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 <laughs> a prequel for that in, in itself. So, I mean, how how have you found the whole experience of the journey from the auditions? And now, because it, there must be a hell of a lot of patience involved in 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 thinking about. I guess one, for one learning lines where you must have an instance where there's a mind block mm. at times. Uh, I guess for in, in terms of props, it must be waiting for orders of props to come in, trying to get costumes to come in, trying to get different bits of the stage put together, uh, making sure that, that sort of the imagination of that whole thing comes in place. And at times, it's it's never going to be that case. And directing. I guess that speaks for itself, really, that there are moments where you think, am I going to complete this whole project? Is it too big? How have you found that across? Um, well, for the directing part, it's there are moments, of course, when you sort of you, you doubt yourself thinking, am I doing justice to this to this play? Like, particularly with Sherlock Holmes, it's like it's quite a well-known character and well-known um, well-known story. And it's hard sometimes to think, um, am I doing this right? But you, you often just have to, um, just sounds a bit cheesy, but you have to believe in yourself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's not just about believing in yourself, it's about believing in the cast and everyone else and that they're, they're going to sort of raise it up as well. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, in, in terms of, terms of learning lines and that and mm-hmm. getting those mental blocks and stuff it, it can be it can be infuriating learning lines you know because really and truly you are having to learn word for word everything was being said when you're learning sort of a, a theory for a test you, you kind of just learn the outlines and, and put it in your own words but with with something like learning a script it's it really is if you get one word wrong you have to repeat it you have to go through it again so and that and that can be a, a slog. It can be quite the process. But it, it, again, you know, it just comes down to it being part of the trade, I suppose. That's the deadline for line learning coming up, Susan. Yeah, I was there. I was there. So, yeah, so it's pressure, gonna, pressure is on. It's going to be a stressful weekend for me, I think. <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully, by the time by the time the show goes on, I'll be uh, completely <laughs> completely off book. One one can dream, you know. And in terms of the sort of the stage management side of it as well, how 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 has that gone? In, in terms of where we're at now compared to sort of the timeline that we've got till the first night? I mean, I suppose I'm quite lucky in a way because most of the props that I've got left to um, either make or buy or find aren't that bad. Like, I need to make a newspaper. That won't take too long. But I suppose... Well, like I mean, cost- you're you are on the media hub here, so <laughs> that shouldn't be too bad. If you need any help for that. I suppose um, for something like costumes, I know Tally's making the costumes for this mm. one, they'll be excellent because she's a very good costumer. But, um, costume designer. Costume designer, yeah. But um, I think something like that takes a lot longer because obviously you've got to fit all the cast, make sure it looks good, make sure it doesn't rip or something like that, <laughs> especially if you've got quick co- costume changes. Um, 
I remember before we did one and it's like, because there's not a lot of back, space backstage and so you have to kind of like wait, change out, change in and then go back on again. Yeah. I think it, I think it comes, comes, what it comes down to is having people that actually want to be there and want to be involved, you know, because for me, I would never ever want to do costume designing, I, you know, it'd be my worst nightmare and I personally... Uh, New opportunities could spring up in the future. Eh? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but uh, if you have a, team uh, which I think we very much do of, of people who want to be there you know like we said we have Tally who loves designing costumes and was very happy to come and sort of measure measure all the all us all of us actors and stuff like that I think uh, yeah as, as, as long as you you have people that you know might might be annoyed with you or whatever but do actually want to want to be there at the end of the day that's that's what's most important I'd say there's the odd frustration that you get um where as you're uh, directing a scene, you're blocking it, and you think you haven't quite got the full story from one of the designers or yeah. something. So you're like, oh, are we going to have this yet, or are we still mm. unsure on that? So then you have to um, re- rehearse it in a certain way that may later need to be changed. So it's, how, how tense can those conversations get? Um, not that tense, in all honesty. They're, they're just... Slightly infuriating, but I try and um, reel it in, reel it in sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're mostly they're, there's only there hasn't been hardly any of those this time. But I know that for some uh, some of the other plays I've been in, there's been that um, that frustration there. So what are the kind of hours are you working on every week? Because I guess I mean we've had I mean history, philosophy, French and Russian uh, away from the course, I guess. Because you working one towards a degree, but two this this massive massive project outside of that. How do you balance up that time? Well, uh, you know it, it is difficult, but like you say, it's it's possible. You know, for me, Sutco uh, is the only society that I'm really sort of involved in, and uh, I think university sets you up to give you enough time if you if you're passionate enough to to kind of get involved as well as kind of finish the things that you need to on your course and, and all of that stuff and again it comes down to comes down to actually wanting to do it I think exactly you know but it is it is time consuming of course it is but that shouldn't be a problem if you like it yeah um, rehearsals tend to be sort of uh, well, well most evenings in a week most so. evenings yeah five till maybe eight nine yeah sort of thing that you'll um, so They'll have a room booking somewhere. So yesterday, no, yeah, yesterday we were in Bartholomew House. Okay, yeah, yeah. A few few weeks ago we were in the Diamond, that sort of thing. It's it, but that that is a factor in terms of space. Like sometimes you just don't have the right room to do mm. the thing. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's quite time consuming, and director needs to be at every rehearsal. Otherwise, they, they, I can't send instructions, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> sort of FaceTime sort yeah. of a, a, across, sort of pointing at which bit of the room you're, you're at, which prop you need and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, like Jake says, it, it's not a problem if you really enjoy what you're doing, and I do. Mm. So in terms of the dedication on, on, on the course and then and sort of looking forward to, to the future, what, what are you expecting to see in, in the final rehearsals and... Looking ahead to the sort of the first night, then what, what what are we thinking about that? 
Well, I mean, I'm sure we're all hoping that it'll be pinpoint perfect, really. But, but it never uh, is usually, is it? So, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I just personally, by by that point, I would like generally everyone to feel sort of comfortable and, and kind of generally speaking know everything that they need to be doing. There not be that many stresses apart from the things that cause stress on the night itself, you know. Um, Mm-hmm. things backstage you know I mean on the um, the Monday of the first week we will have the tech rehearsal which right. is very much I mean I kind of feel sorry for the actors in that because it is very much cue by cue for lighting and sound and like a scene change and who's coming on stop start a lot of the time very yeah. stop start but um but then when it, I think by, by the dress rehearsal, it all does kind of come together absolutely and you do like you run it all through completely and it is actually a very it's an honour, I'd say, in order to see all of your hard work just like pay oh, off. Thank you. And it looks so, it looks so good. Modesty back again. <laughs> um, yeah, the thing that I'm, I'm hoping for is that they're not so sick of the play that <laughs> they'll uh, just not. But like, I don't see that. Or, or sick really. of me more than anything. But <laughs> <laughs> now that now that could happen. Yeah. But, uh, but again, it's. <laughs> As I've said many a time, it's, it's a part of the trade. You know, you, there are going to be points where you get a bit angry with the fellow actor or something for, for doing one thing or another, or, or you're just kind of starting to get a bit sick of your director or whatever. But at the end of it all... It's a nod there from, from Jack. <laughs> but yeah, well, at the end of it all, uh, the, the point is, is that you've all completed this project and done this thing together and yeah. worked hard as a team. And once it's done... All those kind of immediate stresses that come to play, uh, you know, they don't matter. Because I guess the emotions for all of you going through something like this must be extraordinary, really, in in terms of sort of thinking ahead. You're always thinking towards that specific date first night. Once that's out the way, does it tend to get better? I would say as an actor, that first night is often one of the best ones because you kind of you've got the energy and the adrenaline you're rearing up to go you know you you really you want it to be good you want it to be perfect and everyone's kind of uh very very focused on that and then once the first night goes well people relax a bit and I, I was thinking is there a danger of complacency after that there's often a like almost a formula that it tends to follow mm. like every show where it's first night's brilliant second night people it's good Shaky. wednesday no, sorry, the third night, everyone's quite tired by the third night, and then the last night, mm-hmm. they give it a, like, really go for it again. So it, it, it doesn't dip, like, much, but it, it, you do notice it sometimes with... Yeah, I mean, yeah, as, a, as an actor, your, your first night, you, you're very nervous, your second night, you're a bit more comfortable, your third night, you're tired, and then your fourth night, you want it to be the best one you've done. Mm-hmm. You know, you want it to top them all. Um, uh, but it is, it is quite... Uh, sort of interestingly formulaic how how that uh, how that tends to happen in in shows I think I would say for the production team I say for the actors the um the be- the first night is the best but for mm. the tech team the first night is definitely the worst because if something's gonna go wrong it's gonna go wrong yeah. on the first mm. night but by the end by the Saturday you're comfortable you know what you're doing everything runs smoothly everyone's happy and it's all good it's, I mean it's guys nice mm. in a way because you can end the week on a high really yeah. so um that's the best part. And I guess, I mean, just rounding it up in the next sort of five minutes or so, um, once that's out the way, what's the process in looking towards the next production? And have you got any ideas about that? Is it 
too soon a question to ask or um well auditions for the next show have already happened uh, they happened last weekend yeah I think. yeah about two weeks ago now yeah so um but you can still uh, be involved in the publicity for those shows the the tech for those although i think the tech call was a few was last week for mm-hmm. those shows um but if you want to be involved somehow you can still do that um and there's other opportunities in Sutco. There's Shakespeare in the Park, which is yet to come, which is oh cool, was an interesting one to do. Well, get me to talk about the variation of the, of the plays. Yeah, it, it, you really see that there. Yeah, well, that that's a very much a sort of because it's just towards exam time. It's a sort of almost a way of just relaxing and having fun with that one. Mm, mm. I mean, you know, with, in terms of the variation as well, there's a, there's a variation of venues as well uh, mm. with everything. I mean, Shakespeare in the Park, obviously, says on the tin, is in the park, Western Park, usually, right? Or, uh, Forge. Uh, yeah. No, uh, Dam House. I can't remember which one that is. But. Um, yeah, then, that's, yeah, Western Park, Park, yeah. Pardon? Is it Crooks Valley Park? Yes, Crooks Valley Park. Yeah, Crooks Park. Live near, they should know that, actually. Me too, But yeah, you have that one in the park, and then... You, the majority of them happen in the in the drama studio, and that's I, I always like working in the drama studio personally. But uh, then you have a what's called a, an AVP, which is alternative venue production. I think you have one of them every semester. Every semester, and that's uh, again what it says on the tin. You that will be a it will be at another place. So they've, they've they've had one at Dina before. If uh, where else? Oh, I can't Probably remember. Other uh, Portland Works was where Journey's Portland End was, Works. which is over near Bramall Lane. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and that and that gives an opportunity for a kind of slightly slightly more diverse setting and things like that. It's a, a bit more a bit more interesting at times. But of course, it does bring new challenges with it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard yeah. that Portland Works was very very cold. It was freezing, and mm. um, backstage there wasn't like a full backstage like there is at the drama studio. Yeah. it was just behind a curtain. I guess to play like Journey's End, though, given it was set when it was sort of during wartime, it, 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 that you, you get the feeling of sort of the realism of yeah, that yeah. to an extent. Well, it, the Portland Works space was quite sort of small, but it worked. The set was beautiful and everything for that, um, and it really got that idea of, like you're talking about, the claustrophobia of the, the dugout and that sort of thing. You can definitely use uh, an, alter- an alternative space to your to your advantage as a director. I think you know. So with with Journey's End, I think that kind of like ca- the cavernous feel of the of the setting and like you know, it being quite claustrophobic just added to the general the general production. Um, whereas you know the drama studio is a bit more of a of a standard kind of theatre. But I think for a show like like Sherlock, that's kind of a bit more necessary. Yeah. Um, Particularly with some of the some of the scenes like like we were talking about the moors earlier, it's you, it's hard you can't really do that. You need the, mm. the bigger spaces that the drama studio offers. Mm. Yeah, so looking ahead to to all of you after after that plays, are you looking to get involved in, in many more after that then? As much as I possibly can. Yeah, same, yeah. same same with me as well. Mm. And what about future careers then? Are, are you thinking that far ahead at this point or I personally don't like to think about it, Tim. I, uh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a forward-thinking man. I like to live in the moment, and uh, we'll being see an what actor, happens. I guess you can see why that's the case. But yeah, um, well, being also a philosophy student, there, that, are, there yeah. are many. Uh, there are many career paths out there, but uh, for now, uh, for now, I'm uh, honestly for now, I'm just living in the moment. Personally, I don't have, I haven't really thought about it. Um, for me, I. I enjoy it so much as a hobby and a passion. I don't know if I could 
do it as a career because when you do something you change you make that change to the profession mm. like completely professional thing it almost changes um something I yeah think. yeah similar to how i feel yeah i mean it, I, we were saying this off there if i if i got given the opportunity nah, to be a, an actor as a as a profession I'd, I'd you know i'd take it hands down i'm sure i would but you know that's not to say it wouldn't be a job and it wouldn't be difficult but i'd i'd like to like to have a career in something that I am uh, passionate about and acting as, as close to that as I can get, I reckon. Cool. Um, guys, thanks a lot. Uh, one Thank thing I, I always do, though, with these, these these type of things is always say, if you've got a message to anyone who wants to join uh, Sutco or a society or in Sutco in this sense, what would that message be if all of you could sort of have a message now? Just... Come along to 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 a social to auditions and mm. and then keep coming along. I would yeah. say if, because yeah. Soko is a very welcoming society. They exactly. will they will they will make the effort to talk to you. Even if you know nothing about anything, there will be something that you can do, and you can so. it'll be fun. You can learn a trade for sure, can't you? Um, and there are a lot of people like that who uh, who just come in and then pick something up and then find out they're very good at it and like it. So. You can do the same, I would say. And the Hound of Baskervilles is when? Uh, 7th to the 10th of March in the drama studio. Mm. It'll be great. Come see it. And tickets go on sale? <laughs> I would have thought the week before. I'm not entirely sure as yet. Um, March time? Yeah, early March. Mm. No doubt with Forge Around, we'll be sending someone down and... <laughs> Uh, I don't know what kind of rating we got. Very harsh critic. Nah, it's oh, not too bad. Oh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not too bad. I'll give them my best. I'll try anyway. <laughs> Helena, Jack, Jake, thanks and good luck for the play. Thank, Thank you very much. Uh, for the next off the record, we will be having an interview with the uh, Jewish Society that'll be taking place uh, tomorrow, sort of with Holocaust Memorial Day. What happened there, uh, sort of in the last few weeks? That's quite a. Uh, quite an important topic for a lot of people to talk to talk about so we'll have that and then moving forward we have uh, a range of societies coming up over the next few months but today guys thanks a lot cheers thank, thank you, you. Thank you.